about the five ahadith that Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah had selected and that these five ahadith a person who adheres to the lessons therein a person who latches on to them then inshallah they will be able to conduct themselves in a way that Allah Ta'ala becomes pleased with them they will be able to fulfill the obligations of deen, be able to stay away from whatever the evils and vices are, whatever wrongs are. So the discussion had centered around various ahadith in the previous weeks. And today, the hadith that we discuss, which Imam Abu Hanifa selected, is the discussion wherein Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi says that inna al-halal bayyinun wa inna al-haram bayyinun that verily halal what is halal is also very very clear and what is haram is also very very clear so what is halal? There are certain things which are halal and it's being halal is absolutely evident. There is no, there is nothing to guess about it. Absolutely evident that what is halal, like for example, there are various edibles that are halal. For example, milk. Now milk, somebody milked a cow, a goat, nobody asks any question now that is this milk halal milk is halal a, 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 an, uh, an egg so a hen laid an egg now somebody wants to ask now is this egg halal or is it not halal some person who asks such a question everybody will look at him in great astonishment that subhanallah what's wrong with this person he's asking now is this egg that now this egg that was laid now by this hen was it halal or not so now we'll have to start looking for somebody to certify the hens. That this hen, if this hen lays an egg, it's fine. And if that hen lays an egg, it's not fine. Obviously, this is very, very foolish. So certain things are very clear that this is halal. Things that grow out of the ground, vegetables, fruit on the trees. These things are very, very clear cut that this is halal. And then there are certain things which are clear cut that it is haram. Nobody has any doubt about it. And even the Muslim who is 
probably sometimes not very practicing too, but these are clear-cut things. Everybody knows about it, that it's haram. And if a person doesn't know about it because he didn't acquire the basic knowledge, the mere very basic knowledge will make it known to him these things are haram. Alcohol is haram, wine, etc. So wine is haram, everybody knows about it. The flesh of a khinzir, pork, pork is haram, nobody has any doubts about it. It's clear cut. Nobody has to send one question somewhere to some Darul Ifta, some Mufti, some Alim that is this haram. Every Muslim knows about this, that this is haram. Likewise, various actions are totally haram. The zina is haram. Nobody has any question about it. Gambling is haram. Various other sins, major sins, minor sins, which are clear cut. So there are many things which are clearly established to be haram. And many things there is no question about it being halal. It's clearly halal. Like we discussed some of the examples. But then in between, there are certain things which are not very, very clear to the average person. Now this is the very important thing to understand here. That in deen, everything is clear cut. But not necessarily to the average person who doesn't have that in-depth knowledge. So to him, it is not very clear. Some things to any person is very clear, like the things we discussed which are halal also, and some things which are haram, very clear to every person, every Muslim. And some things, the average person doesn't have that insight into it, and as a result, it becomes a little uncertain, unclear. Where does this fall? So now, these are the things that the Hadith Sharif, in terms of the average person, has termed as mushtabihat. Inna al-halal bayinun, wa inna al-haram bayinun, Nabi Islam says halal is also very clear and haram is also very clear. But in between these are mushtabihat. There are certain things wherein there is some doubt. The doubt is in terms of the person. The average person, he is in doubt. He is not clear about which direction to take here. But now these things that are in doubt, so they could very well be halal, but this person was in doubt. But there is also that possibility, equal possibility, that this could be in the haram category. Now he is not sure. He is 50-50. But now when there is a 50-50 chance, so Rasulullah says, The person who stays away from whatever is doubtful, person who refrains from things that are doubtful, then istabra'a lidinihi wa irdihi. The person who refrains from the doubtful things, he will keep his deen safe, he will keep his honor safe. Because when something is a 50-50 chance, no sane person wants to take a chance with something where, for example, if uh, some food See, look, this, there's a 50% chance that this is contaminated with some poison. 50% chance that it is not, and a 50% chance that it is contaminated with some poison. 
So now who takes a chance and says, well, but there's a 50% chance that it is not problematic. 50% chance that it is safe. They say, forget that 50% chance of it being contaminated. If there's a 5% chance also, people don't want to take a chance. See, there's a 5%, what if there is a poison in it? What if it is contaminated? Currently, in the times that we are passing through, so people are very, very cautious and many are up to now still observing social distancing because of a chance. What chance? The chance that a person might contract a virus from somebody else. Now, whether that, that's a whole debate itself of whether this uh, interaction with somebody who is positive whether that will become a means of this person also contracting the virus or not, that's another whole story. But those who claim and say that, no, this, this is very much there, what, distance, what, what percentage, what percentage of, or what chance, what percent chance is there that this could happen? That a person came into contact with somebody who is infected, and now he will also catch it. So now generally they say that there's a small chance. There's a small chance, it's not even a 50% chance, it's much lesser than that. The small chance. But now for that small chance, who's ready to take that chance? Very few people. Many people, mashallah, they say, well, as far as our deen is concerned, our deen is not based on, we don't leave out things based on chances. When some waham is there, it's just a chance thing. We will do what we have to do and have our trust in Allah Ta'ala. We will perform our salah correctly. We will perform the rites of deen in the manner that is required of us from Allah Ta'ala, in the sunnah manner. One is there is a major danger, very major. person is in the battlefield and there is missiles and bullets flying around. Now that's one situation. And the other is now this small chance of something. That too is whether the chance is genuine or not is another matter. So now we will not affect our deen for that. We will not compromise our deen for that. Our deen now will remain exactly as we are to be fulfilling it. Then in personal matters, somebody now feels something up to them. But in terms of deeny issues, obligations of deen, amal of deen, like for a person now, for males, adult males, they need to go to the masjid for salah with jama'ah. We are not going to compromise that salah with jama'ah for this. They need to stand in the safs, shoulder to shoulder. So now that's not going to get compromised for one chance. Because that's the manner that Nabi Salaam has taught us. So now people are traveling in planes and traveling in buses and traveling in taxis and traveling everywhere else, shoulder to shoulder. So for them, that virus hasn't affected them. But now in the masjid, it becomes a problem. What a ajeeb thing this is. Nevertheless, that's another topic. The point is that we don't take chances in all these matters. People are very, very cautious. They take caution upon caution. They almost take like a sanitizing bath and they got their masks and they distancing and whatever else. Why? Because of a chance. Now, mushtabihat, those things that are in this doubtful category, doubtful in terms of the average person, so there's a 50-50 chance here. 
So now, how will a person be so bold to take a chance with something that has 50-50 chance? We don't take chances for our physical health. What about our spiritual health? So this is what Rasulullah is emphasizing upon us. That look, if a person stays far away from those things that are doubtful, that will become a means of saving him from his from, from the harm to his deen and from the harm to his honor also. Now from the harm to his deen, why? Now one is that something a person did, he thought, well okay, this is 50-50, he took a chance. Then it turned out later on that this was haram, this was not permissible. It became clear then. Now the regret, what the regret is going to serve? It's already done. Now he's going to make toba obviously, but that was not a small thing that he got involved in something that was wrong. A person who is conscious of Allah Ta'ala, who wants to be close to Allah Ta'ala all the time, and then he's been told that, look, this is a doubtful thing, so you should stay away. He's not going to take a chance, because he's been told already. So, now the person who is going to nevertheless indulge in that doubtful matter, he's then going to get involved in something which might turn out later to be haram. The other part of it is, that like we discussed the Hadith Sharif about layani, that layani is bordering on haram. It's not haram, but it's on the border. So now when a person is involved in layani, in futile things, then that gradually can make a person fall into things that are not permissible. So likewise, in the aspect of shubuhat, in the aspects of these doubtful matters, so shaitan first makes a person very used to getting involved in these kind of things. In what? In things that are of a doubtful nature. So now it's doubtful, so the mind is still being appeased, but no, it should be possible, it should be right, because there's a 50% chance of it being right, so it should be okay, it shouldn't be a problem. So now gradually the person got used to that, but in his mind it's also there, but there's a 50% chance of it not being okay. But now he's still deliberately, willfully, and boldly getting involved in such things, what the reality has become? The reality has become that even if it is 50% in his mind, it's fine. There's a 50% chance of it being fine, but it's a 50% chance. So he's already gone halfway towards the other side. Because he's taking a chance of 50% now, so he's already shifted away from the clear path. He's gone into a grey area. So he's halfway there. Now when a person is halfway there, to get fully there is not hard. For shaitan to drag him fully there is then very much easier. And that's shaitan's plan. Shaitan doesn't drag a person into a serious major sin in one leap. Generally, the average Muslim also, Shaitan doesn't drag him into a major sin in one go, in one jump, one leap. Allah Ta'ala forbid that a person now, Shaitan wants to drag him into a haram relationship, into an affair. So very seldom would an average Muslim, somebody, mashallah, is performing his salah also, 
he is conscious of deen like that, he is doing some good, some female is, mashallah, conscious of her deen, he is performing a salah, etc., etc. So now, mashallah, generally everything is going well. Now, shaitan is not going to come to such a person and say, look, you must get involved in an affair. You must get involved in an illicit relationship. Shaitan is not going to say that. Shaitan is a very crafty fellow. Very shrewd. His evil mind is very crafty. So now what he'll do, he'll come in a different guise. He'll come in a different guise to somebody, for example, the example that we have taken many times. Now he'll come to somebody and say, look, somebody is in need of this dini advice. So now you should pass on this dini advice to that girl, because now she needs that dini advice. So now that cousin or that person you know, whatever, see now she doesn't look like she's going to be very stable in her deen because she's now sometimes wavering, you should advise her. So now this male is a non-Bahram, he's just some cousin, he's whoever, whatever. So now he'll send one message of deeny advice. Now that's the guys. And unfortunately, we're talking about now this guys of deeny advice. But the sad reality, the tragic reality is nowadays even Shaitan has now, in many people's case, this too is no more now Shaitan's need to start off right from that point. Now it just goes on often first step. Many young people in schools, colleges, and Allah forbid, even in madrasas, they get caught up in this without even any second thought. And that's the very dangerous thing, very, very tragic. And what is the thing? Well, everybody is doing it. Everybody is communicating here and there, some non-Bahrams, some girl is communicating with some males, some boys communicate some females here and there. And it's no, no, just, it's just communication, it's just chatting. So everybody is doing it, so what's the problem with it? That is already now, this is what the story is here. What we are discussing is exactly this. That it started off probably previously, others did it on the note of something doubtful. Now this generation has come, they've dived headlong into it. They're not even making any issues about that, you know, what, 50-50, nothing. They made it fine. They already made it okay. There's no problem with it for them. And now, here and there, some parent catches up with some child, whatever, what you're up to. They say, well, what we're up to? Everybody's doing this. Everybody is communicating, so why, why should I be deprived of this? Now that becomes a problem now. That becomes a big fight in some homes. And several instances of this nature. Now there's a big battle now between parents and children. The parent is saying, but no, this is not right, this is wrong, this is a sin. And the child is saying, but everybody is doing it, so now everybody is doing it, it became fine. Everybody is doing it, so now how can I get left out of it? Can we imagine how far we've dropped? Previously, it's not that these things didn't happen. Unfortunately, very unfortunately, it happened previously also. But there was a conscience. And if somebody got caught, they were very embarrassed. They were very, very embarrassed about it. That embarrassment was a sign also that, Alhamdulillah, that consciousness is there. There was a bad slip up. It was a terrible mistake. 
it was something that was wrong. There was no doubt about it being wrong. There was no, no true ways about it being haram. But there was that remorse. And sometimes even while the person was caught up in something of that nature, there was that remorse that this is not right. I shouldn't be involved in it. And if that didn't happen at that time too, but if the person got confronted with it, then there was an acknowledgement, no, no, this my mistake, wrong, I shouldn't have done it. There was no justification. Generally, this was the case. By and large, this was the case. There wasn't justification for a wrong. So now, that was the situation then, but now that drift happened. People started getting involved in things that were doubtful. And then the doubtful things then moved on and now into haram and then on top of that a justification. But what's wrong with this? When that becomes the situation, people get involved in haram and then start justifying it. One is, na'uzubillah, summa na'uzubillah, a person then says this is not haram. That is then the last step in this whole process where a person says regarding something that is haram, something that is haram, the person says it's not haram, na'uzubillah. Now, deen has spelt it out. The person has been told, look, this is not permissible. There's the reasoning for it. It's from the Quran Sharif, from the Hadith of Rasulullah And the person now still rejects that. Then Iman is gone. Then Iman is gone. Allah forbid, sometimes people forget just rejecting it. That too is already terrible enough that it will nullify a person's Iman. He starts scoffing it, mocking at it. Now somebody advises that, look, this is not in order, this is haram. You cannot be communicating in this casual manner with non-mahrams, having this idle chats and like you're saying, no, it's just my friend, this haram, is not permissible. So now the person starts mocking it, na'uzubillah. See, you living in another age, man, what you making not haram and all that? That's not applicable in this time. You living in, you in... Grandfather's time, great granny's time you're living in. That is also an extremely dangerous thing when anything about deen is na'uzubillah mocked. It is belittled. It's made fun of in some way. There are many things unfortunately because people start doing these things others don't think what they are doing and they start following it. One very common issue, we're just digressing again but this is it's a very common problem and therefore we need to take note about it. Many a person starts relating jokes. Sometimes those jokes can be dangerous for a person's iman. Now people start relating jokes about, they call it Adam and Eve jokes. Now who is Adam and Eve referring to? Adam and Eve, they are referring to Hazrat Sayyidina Adam alayhi salatu we obviously will say it with all, take his Mubarak name with all the titles. He is our father. And besides being our father and the father of the entire humanity, he is a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. He is a Rasul of Allah Ta'ala. He is a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. So a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala deserves the highest respect. Now, people are making jokes about it. They're making a joke of something fictitious, but who they, they're making it refer, refer to. What a dangerous thing this is. 
If a person now, he's saying, no, no, I'm just making a joke, but he takes your father's name. He takes your mother's name. And he says, no, I'm joking. With the name and surname. He's making a fictitious joke. Take your name, the name and surname of your name. Now, whatever the person's name might be. And now he's taking the person's name, your name, or your father's name, or your mother's name. And he's making jokes about it. Would anybody, any sane person be happy about this? Would they feel comfortable about it? Or would they start becoming very upset about it? Would they take offense to it? How can you do this? He said, no, no, I'm just joking. I'm making a joke about this. If you to make a joke, how can you take my parents' name? Imagine people make this Adam and Eve jokes, Nauzubillah. They replace those names with one's parents' names and think how you'll feel. Will you tolerate it? That somebody put your parents' names in that place. After all, they are our parents too. Adam wasalam, is our father. Hazrat Hawa ta'ala anha is our mother. So they are our parents. They are the parents of all of humanity. Now if our own biological parents, their names were placed in there, it would become very offensive to us. So what has happened to our Iman? <coughs> that we start relating these kind of jokes wherein it is referring to our forefathers, our great 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 grandparents Adam and Hazrat how can we take a chance with this but now this is also a classic example of what we are talking about that one is you get those light hearted things which are clear cut so fine something that is clear cut there is no doubt about that being within the limits and we have not been prohibited from some light heartedness rather some light heartedness some the word some is very important here some light heartedness within the limits of shariat is and with the right intention with the right intention is even sunnah because rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to also sometimes have some light hearted uh, words with some sahaba so now nabi sallallahu alaihi used to sometimes engage in this light-heartedness to make the Sahaba feel comfortable, to make them feel uh, very sort of light and that it will make it easy for them then to take the extra benefit because if they are overawed all the time they will be very hesitant sometimes to ask some questions which might be necessary to come closer to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa so the so Rasulullah used to sometimes have this light-hearted moments with them which would make them very, very comfortable and make, them, make it very easy and they would now be able to find it very easy within themselves to approach Rasulullah So this was part of his good akhlaq. Now a person with the right intention, some light-heartedness is not just permissible but provided is within the limits of shariat. is not crossing any boundaries. Then it is even sunnat. But that some, some is not an excess of it. Too much of some good things also becomes a problem. Salt adds a lot of flavor to the food, but provided it's in that appropriate amount. You overdo it, add more salt, it's supposed to be one teaspoon, you just added a half a teaspoon more. Now what, how much is half a teaspoon? It'll get lost in that whole curry but it will spoil the taste. That half a teaspoon extra will spoil the taste. 
I became too salty. Whereas it's just half a teaspoon more. So likewise, this light-heartedness has its limit. A person does it over the limit, it's a spoiling the taste. So, coming back to the aspect of doubtful, now this started off now jokes, one is clear-cut, something that was now 100% within the limits. Then now people started stretching that. They started getting into things which were not very clear. Some things now that are bordering on vulgarity sometimes, bordering on some other issues which are not within the limits of deen. So then they got into doubtful things. Some are saying, hey, you know, something not sounding right here. They say, no, nothing wrong with it also. But then that led to what? It led to now getting deeper into things which are clearly wrong, impermissible, very harmful and very dangerous for one's iman also. Like the so-called Adam and Eve jokes that people talk about, which is something to stay very far away from. So, likewise in other aspects of life, other day-to-day issues, there are certain things which are of a doubtful nature. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying to us, that the person who will stay away from these doubtful things, number one, he will protect his deen. He will safeguard his deen, because now he is not risking himself in getting involved in something haram in something that is impermissible. He won't eat something, he won't end up eating something that he thought, well, okay, I think it's fine. Now he found out later it wasn't fine. Now when he had a doubt up front, but he was now, okay, 50-50, so he took a chance, and now later he realized, hey, but what I ate was wrong, it was haram. Now that effect and that, that adverse effect of that haram already will affect him, though if it was not 100% haram for him at that time, meaning he didn't understand it, realize it, so it won't be as severe as a sin in terms of like eating pork, but the physical harm, the spiritual harm will still be there. Because he ate something that was not permissible, it was haram. So the harm that will come will still be there. So this is a very, very important hadith sharif, which is teaching us. So Rasulullah is saying to us, the person who will stay away from these doubtful things, he'll protect his deen, like we discussed now, and also protect his honor. He'll protect his honor. For example, a person is getting involved in some kind of doubtful action. Doubtful action is what? So now he's communicating with some people in a way that we should not be doing so. The person needs to find out something. So now she's sending a message to a non-mahram without the parent's permission, without the father's knowledge, without the father's permission. Now she wants to inquire about something. She wants to inquire about some item that is being sold, whatever. Now that can become a very slippery slope. It can sometimes be 100% fine and it can become a very slippery slope. Now somebody one day, two days, five days, every now and again, they sending a message here to ask something here, sending a message there, now what's going to happen? Now maybe the person never ever got into anything illicit. But now this manner of going about things, somewhere somebody is going to become suspicious about something. They're going to entertain some wrong notion about it. 
Now for them to jump to that conclusion is wrong. But now the reputation on this side is spoiled. The reputation got damaged. So now if he stayed away from that doubtful situation, he would have protected our honor. Now the person is behaving in that doubtful manner. Somebody has got a phone. Now they are always keeping it locked. Now nothing haram about locking a phone. What's haram about locking a phone? But now that action is going to create doubts in somebody's mind. Now, a person who stayed very transparent, especially obviously locking it from others is a different matter, but now parents, spouses, those who have that responsibility and authority over somebody, it must be available and accessible at any time. Now, when a person is keeping it away from people who have that authority, that seniority over one, no, no, you mustn't touch my phone, you mustn't have any access to it, is going to start creating some suspicion, unnecessarily, sometimes unnecessarily, and sometimes there is good reason for it. But now, who caused that problem to come? We did it ourselves, by our suspicious behavior. So all these things in some way or the other, fall into the same category, something that is going to create some doubt against one, something that is going to create some suspicion. So one should stay far away from all such doubtful areas of words, of actions, of anything, that we don't get into any doubtful matter, because that is going to become problematic for us. Inshallah we will, with the Fazl of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala give tawfiq, we'll continue with this discussion. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of staying fully on what is clear cut, and don't go anywhere close to what is haram, don't go anywhere close to what is doubtful as well. Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast on deen and iman. Keep us steadfast on the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala bless us all. Wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. Allahumma iftah lana bilkhair wa akhtim lana bilkhair. Waj'al awaqib umurina bilkhair biyadika alkhair. Innaka ala kul shayin qadir. اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب